Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here in sunny Cincinnati, ripping through the AFC and NFC North offseason needs, game plan, looking at what they should do in free agency, biggest move they should make this offseason, and even looking ahead to what they should do with their top-end draft capital in the 2022 NFL Draft and the infamous Delete the Tweet segment. Mike and I look at some of our worst tweets, worst mistakes over the last few years, and at the back end of the show, a generational interior offensive line bracket. PFF looks at the top interior offensive linemen on our draft board dating back to 2014 and figures out who was actually the best interior offensive line prospect over the last six, seven years plus. Let's get it. Nothing on the catch and early buzz today, Mike. I was thinking maybe, do you have a story? You know, we haven't done a story on this pod. You know, can I celebrate this? Can I celebrate this? I wasn't sure if I was going to mention on the pod. But there have been a lot of Vinny G stories on the podcast lately. My dad, who if you've been listening to this podcast for the last 100 episodes, you've probably heard some crazy stories about my dad. But there wasn't a lot of stories. My dad was in jail for like his seventh DUI. (laughs) And he just got out. 90 days. They gave him six months. Got out in good behavior. Vinny G is out and about. He's... On probation, he's not without a license, but Father Gale is back. And, you know, he said he's he's going to turn a corner here. I don't know if that's going to happen. What he said he's sober, which is a good thing. He's sober. He stayed sober in jail, which is hard to do. People who don't know about jail, it is, like, almost harder to stay sober in jail than it is on the outside because of how, how much there is. Like, people think there isn't access to these things in jail. That's not fucking true. Like, they're making alcohol. It's called, like, Pruno in jail all the time. My dad's really good at it. If you Ooh. need a lesson, I can get a YouTube video of that from my dad if we need it. But Vinny G's out of jail. We're celebrating that here on the podcast. I haven't had a lot of stories. The DUI story, I don't even think I can tell because, like, it's kind of fucked <laughs> up. But he got out. No one got killed. No one got immediately hurt. But um, another DUI for fucking Vinny G. Dude's got eight. Eight DUIs. Oh, my God. It's insane. That's... That is insane. I've never, chalking him up. I've never drunk. That's uh, it's good to be out. And it's good to be out. He's free. He's free. He might be coming to Cincinnati soon. We'll try and get him on the pod. Just kidding. Uh, that's all I have for the catch and only buzz, though. Emphasis on buzz. AFC and NFC North offseason needs and game plans. I want to get ahead of something. I was reading yeah. the YouTube comments. Uh, appreciate everyone who watches the show on YouTube. Over 100 comments on the last video where we did AFC and NFC West. They're like, man, the entire discussion for the Las Vegas Raiders was just about Derek Carr. <laughs> it was just about Derek Carr arguing back and forth. And we didn't really highlight like other needs for this team. My thought is throw Derek Carr out the window, whether you keep him or you don't whether extend him or you don't he's probably going to play for this team in 2022 just getting ahead of this i think their biggest need is receiver like even with now with henry ruggs gone like they were too often going to zay jones in the crunch time right like they're too often going to like tier three tier four wide receivers in these clutch moments specifically in that cincinnati Bengals playoff game and yes they have hunter renfro yes they have darren waller but that entire podcast episode we talked about you need multiple offensive playmakers and they just don't have that and hunter renfro I like as a cherry on top, right? Like a piece of the puzzle that you have in addition to like this alpha Mm -hmm. 10, 12, 15 targets a game type of receiver. That's what they need, right? Like they need to go get a guy that is Derek Carr's number one receiver on the outside. That in addition to continue to, you know, retool this defense and add to this offensive line is probably their biggest needs. Yeah, the thing is there, we don't advocate when you're kind of in that tier of team that you know, I mean, I guess they did get to the playoffs last year. But I, I think any Raiders fan with any sense of honesty looking in the mirror will say this is not a Super Bowl contender. I don't care if we blow our wad in free agency. 
Like you're not that close. So you need to draft well. You need to make shrewd decisions. And so when we say you're not one of those teams that is in realistic contention, it's when we don't advocate for signing a bunch of free agents. So yeah. your free agent plan is to make better draft decisions. <laughs> so basically a free agent plan because you just had two years worth of drafts almost go down the toilet in terms of how much they're impacting your roster in the 2019 and the 2020 drafts with five first rounders doing nothing for you. So you, you need to get that young talent. And now they do have some guys. They have uh, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro. They, they have guys in there, but you need to, like, that is still not enough to be competing with top dogs in that division. Either. Yeah. And I think the other part that we tried to mention when we were having the Derek Carr discourse was I think they need to eliminate every excuse for why Derek Carr is not, you know, playing like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And that again is adding receiver, you know, ensuring that this offensive line can keep him upright and adding playmakers where they can. Like if the defense is the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL, it's okay. You're not competing for a Super Bowl in a division that could have Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. Like there's a reason they have the 12th longest odds to win the AFC next year. They're not ready to compete this roster isn't good enough but if you could come out of this season with like a lot of confidence i'm talking like overwhelming confidence that this pairing of josh mcdaniels and Derek carr is going to work like actually work actually be formidable as a top 10 offense top eight offense in the nfl that is worth everything next year you could go 0 and 17 but if you feel that overwhelming confidence that Derek carr is going to be the guy then you win that season all right now let's I get to the i don't think you could go 0 and 17 no I'll you just can't say that. i don't think I'll those those are mutually exclusive right you yeah, can't go 0 and 17 and then come out like no but Derek carr looked good yeah. <laughs> Derek carr doesn't year. throw for like what, a, what a career year for Derek carr <laughs> all right uh afc and nfc north offseason needs game plan starting with the cincinnati Bengals. before we get into the Bengals. I have to represent this podcast. This po the proud podcast sponsors, the presenting sponsors of this show are DraftKings. DraftKings is a sponsor for PFF, an official sports betting partner of the NBA as well. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. That sentence, I'm... I, that between felt weird legs, coming out of my mouth. Windmill. I'm talking it's between the, the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a take your shot at a big payday. Man, the wordplay today. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Are you a big NBA fan? I don't think you are. Are you? I was going to ask you, are you in the PFF Basketball League? I'm doing? not in the oh, PFF yeah, Basketball you're not. League. We, I am, but yeah. I decided against that. When I yeah, should that's be, probably a smart decision. You, you, I, you guys need a scrappy guy off the bench, let me know. But I'm also like pretty terrible at basketball. So. <laughs> um, but I do like the NBA. I remember in peak COVID, betting a ton of Damian Lillard over points total props and having a ball with that. I think betting on the NBA is a lot of fun. Betting on props and those things are a lot of fun and if you want to do that download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code PFF at just one dollar on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win that's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA 21 years or older minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction see DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER man I am foaming at the bit foaming at the mouth chopping at the bit chopping at the bit and foaming at the mouth for when Ohio legalizes sports betting. Because when they do, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> I can't wait to do it. All right, Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, in the NFC North, they lead 
all in odds to win the AFC at third. They were the third-ranked team, according to DraftKings, to win the AFC in 2022-2023. Their offseason resources rank according to Arjun Menon. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, where he looks at draft capital, cap space, movable cap space, etc. They rank fifth. Like, they have opportunity, man. Not only do they lead the division in odds to win the AFC, they also rank fifth in offseason resources rank according to PFF. $57.3 million in cap space, and our biggest need for them, it's one, Offensive line. Quarterback. Oh, what, what? <laughs> you need to add to this offensive line. There is a member that hasn't officially entered free agency for the Cincinnati Bengals. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but someone that they could potentially sign on the cheap to play left guard for them. That is a small tease to another segment that we have coming down the road here. But Cincinnati Bengals, the biggest need is obvious. Offensive line. Notable free agents, Quentin Spain, a.k.a. the guy who gave up the sack that lost in the Super Bowl. Jesse Bates is also a free agent. They probably need to get on that sooner rather than later. Eli Apple is a notable free agent. I highly doubt he comes back to Cincinnati after getting fried both on the football field and on social media. And some others, too, though. Larry Ogunjobi, B.J. Hill, and Riley Reef. even if they do add upgrades to those positions, I don't think they are any to scoff at, right, in terms of bringing those guys back. I would look to bring back Bates, maybe even Ogunjobi, B.J. Hill, and Riley Reef um, as they move forward, especially with the cap space that they do have. Another potential cut, a failed free agent signing in the Duke Tobin era is Trey Waynes. If they cut him, they save $10.8 million. I'm probably going to happen, right? They've had a lot of success with Jadobi Awuzie, Mike Hilton, obviously. They're going to need a final replacement for Eli Apple, but I don't think Waynes is that guy. What is your move to make for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, I, I obviously tag Jesse Bates at the very least. You got to have him back on the roster. He was a massive part to that oh, yeah. run. But the whole sort of off-season rank of fifth, the $57 million cap space, this is why... If you're a Bengals fan, and obviously there's no like guarantees you get back there, but like this is why you're so encouraged. You just made the Super Bowl, and you have you're literally a kid in the candy shop still this offseason with what you can do to transform this roster. You, you can do a Chargers esque overhaul of this offensive line, a Chiefs esque overhaul of their offensive line if you want to. And the move to make is shit to do that. That is that is the move I'm making now. Obviously, I would like to add a cornerback to this roster as well. Uh, I think going out and signing a veteran like Stephen Gilmore, like Patrick Peterson, maybe even Bryce Callahan, like someone to put some competency that's also not going to tweet a lot at the end of the season is someone I would like to have on this roster. And if you're the Bengals right now, you're kind of that destination team. You, you can attract the Richard Shermans of the world, the guys who are ring chasing to – get that one-year deal, two-year deal, because they want. Maybe even Casey Hayward. That's a guy I would love to have in Cincinnati if I'm the Bengals. So I think that's where you go at cornerback, but then really shoot the moon for your offensive line, whether it's trading for Laramie Tunsil, whether it's signing Teron Armstead, whether it's both of those moves. I, I, I think you have to make, like I said, like what the Chiefs did or like what the Chargers did in multiple big moves and then maybe even like some small moves as well. Because again, if you had an offensive line against the Rams, you win that game. They just do. They would have won that game. So, it, and, but again, it's not like it's not like it's not like it's one guy. It is four pieces of your offensive line that are kind, that are below, well below average. You can rely on your left tackle right now. That's about it. So, it's going to take a lot, but I think they need to do a lot, and they will, and have the room to do so. They'll be also, I think members of the who is getting cut from other places, right? Like there's going to be a lot of cuts along the offensive line for other teams in the NFL, like looking to pick up some of these guys that maybe were too expensive for other teams and they can't afford picking those guys up off 
of the cut wire or whatever it is entering free agency maybe unexpectedly i think is a huge move like you have guys that are available ryan jensen brandon scherf dwayne brown connor williams like all of these guys andrew norwell morgan moses eric fisher like don't stop like just keep going <laughs> i don't think they can the, the wrong thing would be we only need a guy like one like a yeah. tron armstead the right thing would be hey go get like three or four of these guys and even mm-hmm. if not all of them you know even if they are some depth pieces guys like like i don't know looking at you know trent brown maybe is an option um the, the brian Dude, allen it's like a riley reef from yeah exactly like, like you need to go bring in move. you're not going to solve this and i know the joke right now in the draft is like go draft like 15 offensive linemen you're not really going to solve this with rookies right you're going to yeah. solve this with veterans and that's what they need they're in a window right now with joe burrow on a rookie yeah. contract to go win a super bowl as we saw them nearly do obviously a cute few days ago i think going in for agency and attacking all these guys any and all being the first on the phone yeah. with armstead orlando brown jr ryan jensen brand sheriff a lot of these guys went tagged and i well, get that yeah. but go make a play uh, well i think the move they are going to be linked to laramie tunsil because i don't think the texans with where they're at want his $26 million cap hit. If he goes to the Bengals, it's going to be far less than that because the Texans will have to eat that bonus anyway. So it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of $18 million over the next two years each year, which is very doable with the Bengals cap situation. And so a first rounder for a guy like that to give you that assuredness on the blind side, obviously you'd probably move Jonah Williams into right tackle, which he played at Alabama's first two years, I believe, maybe first one year at Alabama. I can't remember now, but that's a move I would make. And with in the Bengals situation, with where they're at, with Joe Burrow and his contract, two more years of very cheap, one more year of fairly cheap compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. I am making that move because that 31st overall pick, you can draft an offensive lineman there. It might not be good until year three. And then that's it. Like when yeah. it's toast. So uh, you need immediate help. You need free agents. You don't save the draft for shit. Like it trades like this with where you're at in the life cycle so hell i think we've seen mock drafts so you've even mocked zion johnson the boston college interior offensive lineman since same angles and while that w- he's like a pro ready guard i think he was the guy that everyone talked about like if you're ready to start a guard from this class he's that guy like if you want to start him day one but yeah. i don't even think just that like just that's not worth potentially yeah. leveraging that pick for a veteran offensive tackle yes. that can come in and and be you know this high floor above average option so since the Bengals needs what's great about the Bengals and like a lot of this discussion about how do you get back to the Super Bowl whether even when you win or whether you lose there are like we got to resign this guy we got to add some pieces here make sure this happens for so the Bengals it's like fucking obvious it's like dude go help the offensive line mm-hmm. T Higgins is going to be on this football team next year so is Jamar Chase so is Tyler Boyd so is Joe Burrow this defense is largely kept together I think Jesse Bates is a guy that they need to prioritize getting back but like man you help this offensive line out and them being the third ranked team according to DraftKings to win the AFC I I, I can get behind the chit you know obviously behind the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs Baltimore Ravens. They were tied for fourth, actually, yeah. in odds to win the AFC next year. Their offseason resources rank, according to PFF, is 13th. Cap space, $8.8 million. There is some movability there. They can cut Marcus Peters for 10 mil, Tavon Young for 6 mil, and some free agents that they are currently projected to lose. Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Bradley Bozeman, and Jimmy Smith. Needs at corner, safety, defensive line, all of which they could be losing this offseason, depending on who they cut and who they let test free agency am i crazy though like all those are on the defense side of the ball i i think there are bigger needs on offense right like i know they have rashad bateman i know they have um hollywood brown but i and mark andrews i still think they need more right like i don't think they still have unless rashad bateman develops into this in year two again this guy that's a alpha one 
10, 12, 15 target a game type of guy. Like Hollywood Brown is not that. Bateman hasn't been that yet. Obviously came off an injury and is only in his second year entering 2022. But like, I, I don't hate adding another receiver for Lamar Jackson, whether that's in free agency or the draft. I think at this point, you got to roll with what you got a receiver. It, and it's because the way that offense is kind of schemed, you're getting diminishing returns with one like one way it often schemed and two just like the routes Lamar Jackson throws like he's works the middle of the field he works routes that are not necessarily uh that are kind of schemed open routes not necessarily like guys winning one-on-one that he needs to find and I think like I said I think Bateman is damn good at winning one-on-one I think Mark Andrews is damn good at winning one-on-one I think Hollywood Brown at the deep levels of the football field is good enough at winning one-on-one like you have you have enough there and those guys are all ascending sort of players. We saw Mark Andrews all pro tight end this past year. Like those guys are all getting into sort of the primes of their career. So I, I think offensive line would go a longer way. Like the running game that they had back in 2019 has taken hits every single year. And now the Ravens don't go out and spend big in free agency. That's not their MO. But they do take advantage of guys cut by other teams that take advantage of trades when that's available because they are the compensatory pick kings have most most compensatory picks since they were introduced in the nfl have gone to the baltimore ravens and they will continue to do that the guy who i think makes like the most like the guy who i would pair with the ravens who just like seems like a very ravens player to get orlando brown jr no because <laughs> he wants to play left tackle he's blindside trey flowers probably gonna be cut by the detroit lions defensive lineman versatile they need defensive line help. They got old there really quickly with Calais Campbell hitting for agency, with Brandon Williams hitting for agency at their age. Lost Michael Pierce, lost Matthew Judon, lost all the guys in recent years. Replenished a little bit in the draft last year, obviously, with Dafe Owe. But Trey Flowers feels like the versatile type of defensive lineman that would go to there. Doesn't count to a compensatory pick formula because he's a likely cap casualty with the Detroit Lions. And then all of a sudden, it's back to form. So that's probably where they're going to go. Some help along the defensive line. But business as usual if you're the Baltimore Ravens I don't think they make any too many splash moves I do think they'll what's crazy is like I think every team we talk about in this offseason game plan thing is like oh man they could use some help along the offensive line <laughs> like there are so many teams that like need help along the offensive line they everyone's going to be bidding for these guys I think there's a wrong way to approach it though the wrong way in my opinion is trading up for like say one of these offensive linemen in the draft depending on like what you have to give up right we always advocate against trading up and getting your guy along the offensive line going up and getting like a blue chip offensive tackle I don't think it's a, a, a smart way of using resources for Baltimore but like we will I'm of the opinion I will always advocate interior offensive linemen on day two guys that you like you can get starters on day two for the interior offensive line and then chase not chase volume and free agency right go chase average to above average talent just go, don't go out there and like we have to get Trent Williams or we have to get you know Brandon Scherf that's the only player that we need to lock in along the offensive line to get us this missing piece like no go get multiple and find who fits your offense and and add depth because depth is almost as important as like skill there like everyone talks about like you need a serviceable top five no tomato cans you need like a serviceable top eight because like so so few offensive lines actually get through the season with a clean bill of health and like you go into the postseason banged and battered along that along your offensive line you end up having joe tooney play left tackle like Kansas City chiefs did like you need depth at that position and you can't have obvious obvious tomato cans at that position i think that's I the last that. time that's the last time I i'm saying it it's the last time i'm saying it it's the last time i'm saying it i get the genesis of it it's not it just doesn't do it for me 
Fair enough. Do Fair it. enough. I do like the Trey Flowers call out though. Where do you have them going in the draft? That one's tough. I, they're not. They get, again, the Ravens don't. They don't go deep. Like they they are sound decision making. They think over the course of time, over multiple sound decisions, they will things will even out. And so I I don't think that. I think it'll probably be O line or D line, just given the strengths of this class. But I, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we have to go X Y Z position. Cleveland Browns on our next piece here, ranked 10th in their odds to win the AFC. Oh, hikes! How the mighty have fallen. That is an absurd fall compared to like media or like preseason expectations, even like a year ago. A lot of people. I would felt- love to know where they were at a year ago, but it was probably top five. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. They rank seventh in offseason resources, according to PFF. That's, again, a combination of draft capital, free agency agency cap space, movable cap space, et cetera. They have 25 mil in available cap space now. With some movements made, they can save $7.1 million in cutting Case Keenum, who could be their best quarterback. I know that's a consistent joke made among Cleveland circles. Uh, And their biggest needs, honestly, like this Browns team needs desperately a wide receiver. Yeah. A wide receiver. Losing Odell Beckham Jr. and funneling a lot of those targets to Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't it. Richard Higgins isn't going to develop into this star that they thought he was going to be in like year five, year six. They have Jarvis Landry, but he's getting older by the day. Not not a true number one, in my opinion, anymore. Like They need help at receiver. They need help on defense. And they, most of all, need Baker Mayfield to you know, pull ahead of his ass Like yeah. if they're actually going to be competitive in 2022. Yes. And now they kind of learned their lesson about really going all in, making a splash play for wide receiver. And... A lot of times, wide receivers look better in free agency than they turn out to be for your respective team. But I do think they have to go get one somehow. Now, I advocate for this year draft makes a lot of sense because they'll be in a position to get someone like a Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, I think, with how the draft board's going to fall to where that's a better, that's just a better play than, in my opinion, than going out and signing an Allen Robinson or someone like that in free agency. The one guy, if I was the Browns, that I would be willing to make a play for, should he become available? is a tag trade for Devontae Adams. That's the one guy I'd be like, okay, that actually can get me there because I think he fits stylistically with Baker Mayfield and that he's not really a test-catch guy. He gets you – he creates space. He, he Baker Mayfield needs to see dudes open to throw him. Devontae Adams is open as much as anyone in the NFL. So that, that's a guy that could really help in that regard. But I think the, the play for the Browns – is one to go somewhat all in, like to to put some resources into free agency. You have, like you said, seventh most offseason resources to really go in because this is again the last year of Baker Mayfield being cheap. You're gonna have to if he does if he sucks this year, and he could like this thing like you're running a risk here. But this is it. You tied yourself to it when you drafted him, when you gave him the fifth year option, whatever. It's gonna be him. But if he sucks this year, well then you got to find a quarterback anyway. It wasn't gonna happen. If he's good this year. You can win a Super Bowl. If it turns back into what we saw down the stretch in 2020, you can win a Super Bowl. So the where where I would go is make a play for someone like a Von Miller or a Chandler Jones, a guy that you know isn't going to be a long-term option. But pairing that guy with Miles Garrett all of a sudden is scary for opposing offenses. That takes that defense to another level that is going to matter come playoff time if should they get there. So that is where I would go. TBD on what they actually end up doing. Would you rather have I have Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson in the draft for the Cleveland Browns? I think that's the most common mock I'm seeing for the Cleveland Browns is one of the Ohio State receivers, yeah. obviously with the Ohio go connection. You go Garrett Wilson over Chris yeah. Olave. I, I think that 
in my opinion too, like you have it listed in your thing here, wide receiver in the draft is because you don't know if you're committing to Baker Mayfield long-term, right? And bringing yeah. in someone that doesn't necessarily need to be a world beater in year one, but could develop into this alpha in year two, year three with the quarterback of the future, potentially, I think does make a lot of sense. The interesting thing here though is trading Baker Mayfield. It's the one interesting thing. And Br Brady Quinn actually uh, was talking to him about this during the Bengals Titans game. He said, who would say no to a Baker Mayfield for Ryan Tannehill swap? Complete one one for one trade. Who in that would say no? W w do you think one of those two sides would say no? I don't know. I don't think I, I'm not sure either side would say no. Personality-wise, Baker Mayfield seems to line up more with uh, Mike Vrabel than Ryan Tannehill does. Whereas Ryan Tannehill seems to line up more personality-wise with Kevin Stefanski than Baker Mayfield does. I, I think both coaches... I'm not sure, like, obviously that would factor in the coach decisions, but I do think that that is the thing. And both teams could use a reset in terms of, like, Tannehill's gotten shat on a lot over the past, whatever, uh, six months or so because of just not being able to overcome the situation. And that's that's fine. He, he's he's still a very good quarterback, but he's not, you know, no one's confusing him for Joe Burrow anytime soon. So, that to me is one interesting route that I would be very excited. To Just see a straight down. up trade for straight Baker. And trade. I don't think I don't. It's not going to happen. But the I more think I think about, it, I don't think Tennessee would do that. I don't think Tennessee would do that. Even if like Frable likes Baker's fire more than he likes Tannehill personality wise, I think Tannehill is 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 good enough. Obviously, for the Tennessee Titans, they clean the one seed this year. I think there's bigger issues in the need, quarterback position. We're going to need Keelan Fred to weigh in. Keelan Fred? Where's Keelan the, Fred when we need the, him? The reason being also because Ryan Tannehill's cap hits are 38 million and 36 million in the next two years. My God. That's a lot. That so that's a lot. Pittsburgh Steelers, last place in the AFC North in terms of odds to win the AFC. They're at tied for 12th. Offseason resources rank is middle of the pack at 15th. Their cap space available is $31.2 million, however. Biggest needs, obviously, obviously a quarterback with Big Ben retiring. And then, I mean, needs along the offensive line. We've talked about offensive line. It's home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's where they should have went instead of Najee Harris, in my opinion, at the back end of the first round. And Joe Hayden, who is expected to test free agency and is it really old, right? Like they they need help at corner, and they've had mm -hmm. they've had needs at corner really for a long time um, to get help on the back end. They have obviously a lot of you know successful pass rushers up front, starting with T.J. Watt. But offensive line, corner, and quarterback, you have needs at those three positions. I'll tell you right now, you're not going to be favored to win a ton of divisions in your lifetime. Like those are hard. That's those are three of the most valuable positions in football, and they have obvious needs at all three. Yeah, and the problem is you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that. You have good players on this roster. They are all on their second contract, though. You know, you're paying them. So you got Cameron Hayward. You got TJ Watt. You have, I guess your wide receiver core is probably your one strength that's young. You got Stefan. I really you like the receiving core. making a lot. And it is good. It's a good young wide receiver core. But that's why I do think that the move I would make this offseason trade for a quarterback you can go get malik willis whatever in the draft and that was who i mocked him to the last mock i did but that's a two or three year window those guys is cam cameron hayward going to be cameron hayward by the time malik willis is good probably not step into it probably not like you're 
you're going to have to, you're going to be in a vastly different spot as a roster. And oh yeah, you just traded all your draft capital to go up and get Malik Willis. Sadly, so if you're going to trade your draft capital, do it for a guy you know is going to be good right now. And that's why the move I would make is to go get make a move for Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. I mean, whichever one's available that you can go get. But this is a team that already made the playoffs with one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in 2021. It's good. It's a good team. Doesn't lose too much in terms of the free agents. Joe Hayden, Terrell Edmonds, those are not guys that they're going to miss desperately on this roster. So 31.2 million space, use it on a quarterback and see where this defense and wide receiving core can get pushed with, like I said, a real quarterback. I, I do think that is the shortest path to competing for a Super Bowl, right? Like if they bring in a veteran quarterback, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, go get, or even Aaron Rodgers, go get one of those guys. Not gonna say it. Go get one of those guys to compete with what is obviously a competitive roster and one of the most underrated uh, head coaches in the NFL, like a really, really talented head coach in that staff. I think you're right there. However, you chase this quarterback, right? You chase a Malik Willis you chase, and trade up for him. I do think that is a heavy, heavy risk compared to like, what do you think Kirk Cousins would cost? A first and what? On the on the trade market. What do you think you're trading for Kirk Cousins? A first and a second? Oh, no, not with that cap. That, not Maybe with that just a second? Situation. Maybe just a first. If it's just a first, I'm a, it, what you'd need to trade, in my opinion, to go get Malik Willis is probably like a first and change probably as much as you need to trade for Kirk Cousins, I would go get, I would rather have Kirk Cousins and compete now, knowing again that Malik Willis is two, three years away. Like everyone has said about him in this class, he is not ready now to compete. Yeah. Go compete now with the roster that you have as Cameron Hayward gets older and all these guys get older. Then when you are actually in a position to reset as a roster, reset with that quarterback in mind and, and potentially in a better quarterback class, right? In 2023 and beyond. I think I'm back in that. I don't think a lot of people have mentioned that as the Pittsburgh Steelers game plan, I think a lot more are interested in like, got to get a quarterback, go draft a quarterback, go draft yeah. a quarterback. I, I I like them as as a veteran landing spot of the many. Like we've said that with Washington. We've said that with um, Pittsburgh now. I think we've said that with others as well. Yeah, so so just a hypothetical here. Say you draft Malik Willis, and he follows Josh Allen's sort of career path to a T. First, that would be sick. First, second year, poop, third year, great. And now that's even of itself is kind of like, Long shot, doesn't happen all the time, whatever. The best player who's going to be on a rookie deal, and because, again, trading up from Malik Willis is what we're assuming here. You give up, say, what the Bears gave up last year, which is another first, and it was like a third or something, to go up and get that guy. The best scenario for you, or like the the best player who's going to be on a rookie contract by then is going to be like Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris. Najee Harris is not going to be on or excuse me, Deontay Johnson is not going to be on a rookie contract anymore. Chase Claypool is not going to be on a rookie contract anymore. You're paying every single one of your good players and just have one quarterback on a rookie deal. It's possible like it's possible to maintain those guys. It's just going to be a, ta- a somewhat depleted roster by then if you go do that, whereas right now you have a window if you go out and get a guy who's ready right now. On to the NFC North, starting with your Green Bay Packers. I know you have a lot of things you want to say about the Green Bay Packers and what they should do, but before you do, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. Two sponsors, actually. Two sponsor shout-outs. Tailgate Podcast is brought to you by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your Western make your money grow western southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you getting start get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff also 
you can get 25% off any PFF subscription. So say you just got done going to westernsouthern.com and you just set up your retirement or just bought life insurance, go double down on your support for the Tailgate Podcast and use promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E for 25% off any PFF subscription, whatever. Go get it. Draft guide, free agency rankings, mock draft simulator, all that stuff available in your Edge or Elite subscription. Go get it with 25% off promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. Green Bay Packers, move to make number one. Cut Aaron Rodgers. I didn't even say trade him. Just cut him. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Right now they have the third longest odds to win the NFC. They rank third according to DraftKings to win the NFC. Their offseason resources rank, however. Don't they have the third shortest odds? Third shortest odds. There you go. 26th in offseason resources rank with negative 50.8 million in cap space, available cap space. Obviously, some movement needed to be made to like help with some of that cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, some needs at receiver outside of Devontae Adams. Marcus Valdez-Scantling expected to hit free agency in addition to Devontae Adams, depending on how they obviously bring him back. I think he's going to hit the tag. He's not leaving Green Bay without at least being tagged. If he's getting out of Green Bay, he's obviously being traded. They're not going to just let that resource hit the free agent market. Um, start. You're, you're the Green Bay Packers. You're part owner, part stakeholder. Yeah. You should probably kick us so, off here. So here's the thing, though. Part of the Devontae Adams thing um, is that to tag him, they have to have they have to be under the cap to tag him, and, and tagging him is going to be in the neighborhood of twenty something million. So they have to have twenty plus million. They have to like do cap magic, and that cap magic would involve to just being able to tag him has to has to involve restructuring Aaron Rodgers' contract or like some sort of extension to push his money because he has forty six million dollar cap hit this year. So it's kind of going to have to be a collaborative effort. So if Rodgers says he wants out. They have to then trade him to even get that to be to tag Devontae Adams. Like they, they have to trade him to, to get Devontae Adams. So they have to do that soon. So a, any news on the Rodgers front will not last into the offseason like it did last year. It will be prior to free agency and the tag deadline. Um, but they're gonna cut Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Randall Cobb, those guys. That right there can free up somewhere in the neighborhood of forty million dollars in space. So like they have ways to get under. It's going to take getting rid of those guys though and maybe dean lowry if if they really are desperate david bakhtiari would be on the chopping block too i don't think he's going to be i think they're going to uh, the report is trying to run it back um another way to create some cap space would be to extend jair alexander and to get his cap number low this year and then bigger in the future because he's on the fifth year deal this upcoming season so that's that's what they've said they'll do they can do it they have the opportunity to do it. They're not going to add much to this roster. They're probably not going to re- be able to re-sign Marcos Valdez-Scantling. They're not going to have a Buccaneers-esque run-it-back scenario on hands. But they were pretty damn good this last year, and they didn't have David Bakhtiari in the playoffs. We're the favorites in the NFC. Like, they don't need... They don't need much more to run it back. You know, they, they can win a Super Bowl with this exact same roster if they stay intact next year. That's very possible. And have a, you know, maybe a luckier bill of health throughout the year um i don't know who wrote biggest need here is o-line i think their o-line's great if they're at full strength it's just they're banged up but if they have elton jenkins david bakhtiari billy turner josh myers and royce newman that's the top five to ten o-line in the nfl it's a very good offensive line so i don't think they have a need there to me it's just wide receiver can they get if they lose if they it's wide receiver and qu- quarterback I mean, they need to like do whatever they need to do with, to get Aaron Rodgers back. Well, I'm saying like I'm I'm saying under the scenario that everyone they do run, they they're able to keep everyone in house, run it back with all the guys. Like I said, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, 
all happy. He restructures contract, gives Devontae a piece, whatever. They're all what, happy go what lucky. Do you, what do you think the percentage likelihood that is? I, I mean, it comes down to Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying they can do it. They have the space. They are like they have the capability cap wise to do it. it. It might wreck some future years. They might be tough. They might be eating like a Drew Brees ten million dollars two years after he retires, like the Saints are. This some year. void year season. Yeah, some void years. But they can do it. It's just it, it is going to mortgage some future success. But again, you were the one seed in the NFC. You have an MVP quarterback. You have a good roster that can largely stay intact. So I think that's what they end up trying to do. Can they do it? I mean, it's going to come down to Aaron Rodgers trying to do it, but then they have to this year. If you're going to do that, you got to treat the draft for once like it is an impact for this year. No no backup running backs in this year's draft. These guys no need backup to, fullbacks. Backup no backup QBs. These dudes need to see the field. So if that's making a play for Drake London in the first round, if he starts to fall, that's – what I would recommend if you are the Green Bay Packers is to, if you're really going to go all in, take a page out of the Rams book and realize that it's even after you bottom out, it's only one or two years to get back into it. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go all in, really go all in is my recommendation for the Green Bay Packers. Let's play devil's advocate a bit with the Green Bay Packers and assume Aaron Rodgers wants out. Now I know that would crumble. Nope. I know that would crumble the group chat la, la, with la, you la, and your la. mom and your dad and all that stuff. But let's assume let's assume the other side of it, right? Let's assume yeah. Aaron Rodgers like I want out. My thought is, yeah, obviously you trade Aaron Rodgers, you're and, able to get multiple first round picks, yeah. three plus first round picks, probably from Denver. You get a top ten pick included, and then my opinion too is like you're probably also trading Devontae Adams. Are you also yes. moving on from Devontae you Adams? Devontae Adams as well. So you're probably going to get a first-round pick and some change for him, too, on the tag. No, a tagged 30-year-old wide receiver is probably not fetching a first-rounder. You think just second, like a DeAndre Hopkins-style type of thing? Okay. Well, say you are able to get a second then. You have three first-round picks. Let's call it three second-round picks with Devontae Adams and maybe some change from the Aaron Rodgers deal. How the hell do you go into this draft? What's an ideal situation for the Green Bay Packers? Now you're at like kid in the candy store. Well, with ideal all situation picks. is Jordan loves good. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. your ideal situation. But you don't you, go quarterback. You have to like, you have you to, don't. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you have to trust that Jordan loves good. That's why you draft him in the first place. Now, big if there, obviously from what he's shown so far, but you just start to build like you, you, again, you don't have, you don't have you're not so good at any position group that you can ignore it altogether. Maybe cornerback, if you extend Jair, is the only one where it's like, we got two starters. We got enough there. But even then, it's like you got – if you have that many picks, just add as much talent as you can to this roster and hope, again, like I said, Jordan Love is the guy you thought he was when you drafted Three, well, you if traded you had, up for him. So if you, you had like three, two first-round picks this year, you know, one that's a little bit later, and then obviously say it's the Broncos at nine, I think you can attack receiver early on, and you can attack edge, right? If they are cutting Preston Smith and Darius Smith, go picking up one of these like edge guys early in the first round. And I would sec- get Drake London in a fucking heartbeat if I was the Packers, and I had the ninth overall pick. That's who I would draft tonight. That's a quote graphic. Social's going to be all over it. I love that. I love that. Do not put that out. I hate... Don't put that. There's just so so deep in the weeds. It is if deep. They had the it is deep. If pick. Aaron Rodgers leaves, because then everyone's going to be like, yeah. you think Aaron Rodgers is going to leave? Are you kidding me? I have a Packers tattoo. It's a cheese head on my back. <laughs> I'm a stakeholder. They're good at wide receivers. If you had to get a Packers There's tattoo. No better than Alan Lazard. If you had to get a Packers tattoo and it was the size of your entire back, mm-hmm. what would it be? Would it be Aaron Rodgers in the outfit that he wore to accept the MVP with the hair and everything? Um, Packers tattoo would just say shareholder. 
and it would just all across your back yeah in like the packers wordmark font yeah the shareholder font there's a shareholder font yeah there's this i have access to a shareholder store that you no you don't yeah that let you me can't see it from. send me a link you can't even get a link dude really <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> that's you bullshit a... <laughs> well, oh, i just to. found it i just found the shareholder green bay packer shareholder wow i have probably like oh there's a they sell crewnecks that says owner that is sad that is sad it's a deranged it is a deranged fan base that is a deranged fan base that is hilarious owner imagine wearing that imagine. i do i have one <laughs> you have an owner crew neck it just says owner of the Packers. Okay, it doesn't say owner that big. It just maybe it does actually. Dude, that's embarrassing. I can't remember. Oh, you're like a fake owner. You're like not even an actual owner. Owner. You can't years. make any decisions. Well, you, you get access to. You a can't fucking... buy those. You can't buy those shirts. So. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Uh, let's get to the Minnesota Vikings. Talk about a bad division. So the Packers are third according to DraftKings to win the NFC. The Vikings are tied for ninth. Bears are fourteenth, and the Lions are sixteenth. Mm. I mean, the Pack even uh, with Jordan Love, Packers could win this division. Probably should. Probably should win this division. All right, Minnesota Vikings tied for ninth right now. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much that of that is baking in that they are losing Kirk Cousins, right? Because I think with Kirk Cousins and the lack of stability well, in the NFC at quarterback, like I mean, there is some options. I mean, you haven't gotten to the to the number here that is why they're tied for ninth. Also. Is it because they have minus 15.3 million in cap space? Yep, that one. Yeah, minus 15.3 million in cap space, 17th in offseason resources rank, needs everywhere, right? They have, they have not drafted particularly well of late, maybe outside of the Justin Jefferson pick. Like Jeff Gladney did not pan out for them. Cameron Dancer has been up and down for them. Patrick Peterson expected to hit free agency. They need help in the secondary back. Yeah. And they also think they need help along the defensive line, too. Like this defense is not what it should have been with the amount of resources that they dump into adding defensive line talent and cornerback talent. And offensively, there's a lot to like there, obviously. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and they just need to get the quarterback figured out. The offensive line is getting better. They're lucky to have Christian Derrissaw healthy towards the back end of last season. I still, I still think you can add into your offensive line help in free agency and in the draft if you are the Minnesota Vikings. But what is your move to make for Minnesota? Trade Kirk Cousins. I am trading Kirk Cousins if I am the Minnesota Vikings GM. If I am Questy Adolfo Menso, I trade Kirk Cousins bef- tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow. Wow. But I trade Kirk Cousins because, one, you get $35 million in cap relief. He is $45 million against your cap this year. It is the last year of his deal. He will hold you hostage if you want to make him the quarterback of the future. There's no – ain't no hometown discount with Kirk. He, he has weak ties to the Minneapolis – St. Paul, Twin City area. This dude will go to the highest bidder next year. He will go to the highest bidder every single year. And it's going to be more than $45 million on his next contract. It's going to be a lot. He's not going to take a discount, like I said. So get the cap space because if you're, if you're committing to him this year, you're basically committing to that dance of every single year of giving into whatever he wants from a cap perspective. And as we've seen, it's just difficult to build a winner around a guy who's not that guy mm-hmm. in terms of elite level quarterback. That was good. Very good. But you need a lot of help on this roster. And I think you hit reset. And I think you flip Kirk, take power back, maybe draft quarterback this year, whatever. But have to realize that you're not adding negative $15.3 million in cash space. You're not adding to this roster. This is, this is it. And it was a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. So 
I'm of the opinion that the Las Vegas Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings are in very, very similar positions. They yeah. do not have rosters good enough to win with the quarterbacks they have. Period. Period. That, in my opinion, means they should look to move on from them, knowing that they likely could get a first-rounder in return. Like, Sam Darnold was traded for a second-round pick. Carson Wentz was traded for a first and a first if they made the playoffs or whatever, like it was like a conditional first. Like you can get, a, in my opinion, there are teams like Pittsburgh, there are teams like Washington that would trade first round picks to go get a proven veteran like a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr, especially Derek Carr, who's not even known as bad of a contract as Kirk Cousins is. Now, if you do trade for Derek Carr, you're obviously you know, positioning yourself to have to give him this next contract. But I don't know. I, I think both these teams have done such a terrible job at building successful rosters around them so much that they fired head coaches, right? So much that they've had to move on from head coaches and move on from different uh, draft picks. Damon Arnett no longer with the Las Vegas Raiders. Jeff Gladney no longer with the Minnesota Vikings. It's time to move on from the quarterback that you put a lot of your eggs, the basket you put a lot of eggs in, to try and finally, finally reset. Because if you do this halfway reset, you're going to be finding yourself looking at Adam Thielen as a potential cut candidate because you don't have enough money to actually pay some of the other guys on your roster, including Kirk Cousins, who's got what, like a $33 million cap hit in 2021? I, I'm with you. I think it's the Minnesota 45. Vikings, huh? It's 45 million. 45 that's, million. That's to me is the biggest difference between the Cousins and the Carr situations. One, Cousins has double the cap hit, and, and two, like Carr, has n maybe he is wants like go wants to go get a mega deal, but like that's been Kirk Cousins been known to really only be like to drive a hard bargain with the money that he wants. Carr may very well take a hometown discount to be with the Las Vegas Raiders at that point. I think you. Go ahead and do something. Yeah. Well, Derek Carr is not willing to ask for this mega deal that I think he rightfully deserves because yeah. he's literally been like slaving away for the Las Vegas Raiders and like a terrible organization that have done like barely anything to support him. I'd be stunned if he's not asking for 35 million plus on a four, three, four year deal. Yeah. I mean, like 35 is like the, the minimum. Stuff. Like that's like, that's just what it's going to cost now yeah, for at least. who it is like that you're trying to sign. Imagine giving Derek Carr 40 mil though. If you get Derek Carr 40 mil with where this roster is, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win. Yeah. Anything else with the Minnesota Vikings? I think we spent a lot of the conversation on Kirk Cousins and, and whether or not to move on from him. Well, it's just you, you don't have the space to play too yeah. much. And you got a lot of If you do keep well. them, right? Like, there aren't a lot of moves you can make. Like, everyone's exactly. talking about, like, what's your game plan if you keep so, Kirk Cousins? So that's why there. it's like, that's why it's like, that's the move. If you don't do that, you're kind of just kick, I don't want to say kicking the can. You're just, you're rolling in with the roster you had this year into next year. And praying that Kirk doesn't hold, like just walk out the door in free agency. On to Chicago Bears, 14th of 16 teams in the NFC to win the AFC, NFC, according to DraftKings. Offseason resources rank ranks 27th. They obviously made the big trade up. They made two trade ups traded up for Tevin Jenkins, they traded up for Justin Fields. Not a lot of draft capital upcoming. Yeah. Cap space, they do have 28.6 million. In cap space, not a lot of movable cap space, though. Uh, they could make cuts with Eddie Goldman, 6.6 .6 million. Nick Foles, they could save 3 million with a cut there. Some free agents hitting the market. Allen Robinson is the big name, right? Like, do they tag him again? Do they find a way to bring him back again? I would not be surprised if Allen Robinson has played his last down in Chicago. Not surprised at all. I mean, do you he, think he didn't even come to play this past year? Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Where's a good land? Let's start there. Where's a good landing spot for Allen Robinson? I mean, you know where it is. The Green Bay, shut up. I think Kansas City. Jacksonville. Oh, oh, okay. Jacksonville Jaguars going back home. That would be. That would be sick. Yeah. I like but KC too. I'm not sure you would want to. I think KC. KC. Go give 
Allen Robinson to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They tried to make a play for Juju Smith-Schuster last year. If you can go get Allen Robinson to pair up with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that is money. That would be a dream landing spot for Allen Robinson, right? All mm-hmm. 31 other teams would be like, no, that's but. But like, I think that that would be an area where he could actually excel. Uh, the move to make for the Chicago Bears is what? <sighs> this one's tough, man. I you would love to obviously get another wide receiver in the fold somewhere. Uh, I, I think maybe draft ends up being where they do do that. I, I think you also could use an offensive tackle. I think they should be firmly in kind of the mid-tier tackle market, whether that's Morgan Moses, Eric Fisher, even Nate Solder, even if you don't love that <laughs> as a Bears fan, but they have to do something there. But the one kind of elephant in the room is that Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are taking up $47 million against Cap this year. Khalil Mack is going to be 31, Robert Quinn's 32. I, I don't know if those are pieces to a championship team with where you're as franchise. And obviously Justin Fields come good would make this roster look a lot different in a lot of different ways. Like you want, but again, you you need to put talent around him too. Like you need to get him wide receivers. You need to get him an offensive line. Those guys do not play offense and they're costing you about a quarter of your cap right now. So I think you got to shop one of them as, mu- as much as it's blasphemous to say. You, you, whether it is Cleo Mack or Robert Quinn, get something back in return for one of those guys because they're in demand. They'll be in demand. But like they are they they don't seem like they're going to be Chicago Bears for a championship run. When the window when the window comes for this team with where they're at, can you rely on them at thirty three and thirty four years old? Can you? I'm not sure. John Gruden, before he was let go by the Las Vegas Raiders, was making calls reportedly to go get Cleo Mack back. I don't know if um, uh, Josh McDaniels shares that same interest, but that would be hilarious. One, maybe an option for them to go bring back Cleo Mack. I think there will be teams, though, that are more than willing, because I think you could get Cleo Mack knowing the cap hit that you're taking on for like third. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like you, you would not have to spend high end draft capital to go get a Cleo Mack or go get a Robert Quinn, knowing that you're going to have to pay him a shitload of money. That's the thing. $30 million cap hit this next year, 28 in 2023, 26 in 2024. Now, again, the, a lot of that's prorated bonus. So that'll be cheaper for whoever does take him. But so I, I think you can get a little bit more than a third. You can probably get a second and a third, I would bet, for someone like Cleo Mack, which. With the Bears and where they're at with no picks this year because of what they did for Justin Fields, those conversations have to be had. Now, Maybe the Rams make a it, trade. But if you get a nice if you get a nice little piece, go and break it off. Rams trade 2029 20, yeah. second and third round picks for why why do you think that is a rule though? I guess three do you think do you do you agree that the rule should be that you can't trade draft picks beyond three years? I I do. I think it I think it started as a rule from like so that teams wouldn't go belly up or something like back in the day, like way back when, because teams would trade all the, shoot the moon to trade all their stuff to try to I also feel like it protects ownership, right? Exactly. Like, and then just have a terrible team then after that. Like ownership hires this GM on a three-year contract and he's like, I'm going to trade our 2030 first round pick where I don't even think I'll be GM of this team by then. No, I think that makes sense. The more I actually fleshed it out. All right. Detroit Lions. 
last place to win the NFC according to DraftKings. But offseason resources rank at sixth. They obviously have the number two overall pick driving a lot of that value. $22.7 million in cap space with some cut opportunities, some cut opportunities. And Michael Brockers, $1 million. Trey Flowers, ten point three. Halapuli, Vitae, Vitae at three point five mil. Um, so free agents to lose, I don't know how much there are priorities. I know Charles Harris is expected to enter free agency and he had success, some success with them, but I don't think that's like a priority re-sign for the Detroit Lions. Especially with who might be available at number two overall. Yes, Aiden Hutchinson, baby. Our king, Aiden Hutchinson. Start. I hope you know. Start the conversation with the Detroit Lions with Jared Goff. What the hell do they do with Jared Goff? That's, that's the thing. This one feels like... Just this Detroit Lions team right now kind of feels like the 2017 version of the Cleveland Browns, where 2016 they went one and 15. They had Josh McCown as their starter or to start the season. Whereas like you get a, a guy who like you knew wasn't good, but you kind of threw him out there as a veteran just to kind of bring that. And then after that season, they just abandoned all pretense and were like Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, and Kevin Hogan. That's what we're rolling into the season with that quarterback. That feels like what the Lions should probably do here. This season, roll in with, I don't know, who you're going to draft 32nd overall, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. Roll in with that at quarterback and just see because you, you know you're still not there. And just paying Jared Goff $30 million this year. It's kick is, you know, you know what you're going to get, you know, like you know what you're going to get and it's not good. It's, it's better than probably starting a rookie, but it's better in terms of 6 and 11 versus three and 14 like it's that much better you're, you know you're not getting their 16th in in terms of odds to win the nfc like there there is a lot to improve upon for this team so to me just trust the process draft good players but take a year off at the quarterback position, I'm not, basically yeah i'm not like completely against it right but i think the reason you haven't seen a lot of that analysis is because if they cut him they take on 30 million dollars in dead cap space like you, yeah you, i mean it, it would you but it's like it's a better option the cap wise it still saves you in the long term yeah of course yeah. it saves you in 2023 and 2024 where he's due like another 50 million plus yeah. it's, and it's they like, would ultimately like obviously like the the cap the cutting if they cut him before June 1 next year, they'd only take on like 10 million dead cap space. Like, what is that? It's like the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like, you're already paying him. Why have him? Why pay him? In addition to paying him this $30 million to stay on the roster and help your team to 6 and 11, yeah. why not cut him, still pay him that money, but then watch Desmond Ritter or whoever it is at 32 yeah. take you to a two win season, three win season? So that way you either are a year into finding this next quarterback or a year into being bad again, not feeling all that confident in Desmond Ritter and being in prime position to get a CJ Stroud or whoever it is going to be at the top of the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is don't let Jared Goff have any dead money on the books when you when in a year where you think you can actually compete, basically. Don't don't let that contract affect you when things could actually be good. Because right now you just you know they're not going to be good next year. And not you know, lightning in a bottle shit they could be good next year. Not next year as in 2023. But you know 2022 is not going to be the big turnaround. So at that point, and you know Jared Goff's not the quarterback of the future. Yeah. So, like, at some point, you got to. But, okay, can you put a number on point? Jared Goff's energy and his leadership and what he means to Draft a the fiery culture? Quarterback. Desmond Ritter's Draft fiery. Draft Des Ritter. Sure. I like Des Ritter. Draft I like Des Ritter. Draft a fiery dude, by all means. 
The but. Detroit Lions are just in a bad place. It's tough. It's tough yeah. to say the move to make. With and Detroit and Lions. So that's the move. And then, like I said, trust the process in terms of drafting. Like draft, go out, focus all your resources on scouting good players in this draft, on vetting these players, because that is going to be the lifeblood of your franchise. This is a very crucial draft with the amount of draft capital you have in building for the future. Don't go sign Allen Robinson because you have a need at wide receiver. Yeah. You know, uh, don't trade. That should be obvious. Don't trade for Devonte Adams. It's like, yeah, that's an upgrade. That also does nothing. You know, like go build it because the cap space will come once you build it. You ooh, need that's, to. Ooh, that's a, that's, there's something there. What'd you say? If you build it, the cap space will come. That's terrible. That's not bad. It's. I mean, it's from. Philly I know what it's you know from. Like, there's something there. there. What you can't Workshop do in the situation where you are literally 16th of 16 teams to win your conference, you can't go out and buy all this lipstick to put on a pig, right? Like you can't, like saying. you can't, you can't, you put, you put a Devonte Adams level lipstick on this pig. It's going to be gross. Like you're going to spend too much money, spend too much draft capital on what is ultimately a team that could maybe go from 16th long. Like say, say you got Devonte Adams and Allen Robinson. Where do they move in odds to win the NFC? 14th, <laughs> maybe 15th. Maybe they don't move at all. Maybe it doesn't move the needle at all for this Detroit Lions team. Cause they still have a bad quarterback and they still have a bad roster elsewhere. Commit to the pig. There's my saying. Put that on a shirt. Ooh. Commit to the pig. Cut Jared Goff. Don't let the sunk cost fallacy leave you from like, hey, we don't want to pay him $30 million for nothing. No, move on from him so you can play somebody else. Play a rookie. Play someone where you actually have some opportunity to learn about a potential future option at the position because Jared Goff obviously isn't it, as evidenced by like, why you even have him on this roster. So go in and get a rookie at the back end of the first round. Hell, even in the second round, right? Like go get one of these second round guys. So that way it's not a first round commitment that you're moving on from, say, if you do like one of these quarterbacks in 2023, move on from a second or a third round commitment that takes you to an 0-17, 1-16 and season. Sean and, Geyser. You, and again, puts you in this prime position to actually rebuild this roster. Go, actually trade, go trade for Jordan Love, actually. There you go. Oh, oh, okay. That's going to do it for the offseason free agency game plan. Please, Please go to the YouTube comments. That's the easiest way to get feedback on these episodes. If you want us to add, subtract anything to these game plans, we're going to continue to do this division by division, two divisions per episode, really over the next couple of weeks, or I guess week and a half or so. Let's get to the delete your tweet segment. Reminder, the delete your tweet segment, which is new to tailgate for you gators, is where we look oh, at a tweet. Taters. It's not taters. It's not taters. I refuse to call the audience taters. It's gators. I like tail taters. Taters. No, it's taters like is country. ass. Taters is the worst like name. Taters. Somehow, somehow you took this bad name and you're like, how do I make it worse? I've leaned into taters. I have not. Okay. And no one else has either. That's fine. I'm calling the audience taters. You guys delete your my, tweet you guys is where voice. Mike and I look at a tweet or something that we've said on social media or an article that we've written that we wish was deleted from the internet's existence. You go first. Do I have to? This one's poop. This one really stinks. Oh my God. That's incredible. And this, Ooh, one's, the, the, this the reply actually, is also very good. This one still applies. We're not going to read any of those replies. No, no, your reply. I know. That's why I said. No, I'm, we're I'm definitely even, reading those replies. I'm not even looking at them right now. But this is a tweet from 2019, April 4th, in fact, right after J.J. Ortega Whiteside, who I, I let it be noted, I was off him as soon as I found out his name was pronounced Ortega instead of Arcega. Fair. So that was post-draft. That's on me. But he ran a 449 as pro day, had a pretty good pro day. And I tweeted out, there is still room on this bandwagon, folks. When he um, ran the 449 at his pro day. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there it is. Quinn putting it up on the YouTube for the fellas. There's still room on this bandwagon. I think I might and have you know what? This. There still is. <laughs> <laughs> there is still room on this bandwagon. Quinn, here. for the people, could you scroll just to the couple replies from Mike? Uh, size or speed, size, strength. 
hands, exceptional releases, and the best body control in the class. He's a first-round talent, in my opinion. Ortega Whiteside yeah. to Jordy Nelson might be my favorite Spot comp the in the draft. Look at what, one more reply, or no? Spot my reply was a "Let's go" meme. You probably can't see it; it's probably a ways down. But I was on board with you. We watched that tape together in the hotel. That one hurt. That one hurt. What happened there? That was bad. That need, was bad. I need to take some. What happened there? Are they go white side? There's still room on the bandwagon. I need a 30 for 30 on his career. My delete the tweet is actually a screenshot of an article I wrote when I was a blogger for Just Blog Baby in college. Mm. They paid me so much per article, zero. It was zero dollars per article with an expectation of writing like four articles a day, which was lit. Got a lot of experience that way. That article that I wrote back way back when, early in Derek Carr's tenure, Week two, I think, of the 2015 season, why okay. Matt McGloin should start over Derek Carr. <laughs> I thought this was a big, a big reason for that was Derek Carr hurt his finger or something, and you didn't want to move him like into it. But I was also like, this was like, if you read the article, don't go back and read it. But if you do, I was like, Derek Carr hasn't shown it. His rookie season wasn't that great. Let's see what Matt McGloin has. He's shown some more fire. I was ready to jump off Derek Carr as a quarterback of the future for the Raiders as soon as week two of the 2015 season. And nothing has changed since. And nothing has changed since. Well, I was probably, I mean, you say delete the tweet, but uh, if they moved on then, they might be in a better position than they are now. They probably would have probably won more playoff games. Hard to, lose, hard to lose less. Well, hard to win. Hard to win more, I mean. Harder to not win. I think that's what I mean. Fewer. But yeah. Harder to win fewer. There you go. Um, I'm of the opinion that actually I kind of want to take that away from the segment. If the Raiders started Matt McGloin and moved on from Derek Carr in 2015, they probably would have drafted one of these other really good quarterbacks in that time because Matt McGloin would have lost every game. Next year was Jared Goff. Okay, so they probably would have had Jared Goff and they would have gone to a Super Bowl. Done nothing. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Done zilch. Or Carson Wentz. Two more years, they would still have a first round pick. They draft Baker. (laughs) Gosh. Maybe maybe it's better off this way. They would have then gotten the first overall pick again this year and. Joe Burrow. When would they have gotten Joe Burrow? That's no, the question. They, they, uh, what, timing-wise, what, what layer every of the two universe? years is when they would have been taking it, and it wouldn't have been Burrow. It would have been, like I said. Raiders are doomed. My column. All right, now on to, we did this last week, the generational prospect bracket. We started with running back, which I think is a fantastic one. This one's a little bit lamer. Not, this not, one's not as sexy. Obvious. You know? Oh, no, yeah, and this one's so we don't have So we, we can kind of breeze through yeah. it. But the, the, So to go back over the conceit of this generational interior offline press, we've done eight years of NFL draft analysis, college grading. Eight years is enough for a bracket. Eight years is also about an NFL generation. If you have an eight-year career, that's a full career in the NFL. I think you have a, a pretty nice vested pension at the end of that. Um, so we take our top prospect from every single year at the position group. Uh, running backs, Saquon Barkley won. Big surprise there. Into your offensive line, I think we know who's going to win. But here are our top prospects from each year. Back in 2015, we had Brandon Scherf, the Iowa offensive tackle. And it, it, still, it still makes me upset that 2015, we didn't put out a big board. We just put out a mock draft. It was because we finished so late. But so we don't have actual ranks for that year. Even if they would have been shit, I still want to go They would have been terrible. But we did in that first mock draft. Trey Flowers, first rounder. Gray Jarrett's first rounder. Haven't wow. had a good call since then, but there we, we go. See it. Peaked um, early. Peaked way too soon. Now, Brand Scherf was the top guy there. I think we had him somewhere in the first round mock. We called him not a tackle. He was pretty clearly not a tackle coming out of Iowa, even though he played tackle there. Uh, 2016, Cody Whitehair, Kansas State uh, offensive lineman, left tackle there. He's still tripping was around good. the league now. He was, he's, I mean, he's got a second contract with the Bears. He's been solid. Was better at center, and they kind of moved him around a bunch. They got hurt, uh, whatever. It hasn't been as good of late, but it was much better as a center than he was a guard. 
Forrest Lamp in 2017, uh, Quentin Nelson in 2018, Elton Jenkins, the Mississippi State offensive lineman, 2019 was top interior lineman. 2020 was Natani Muti out of Fresno State. 2021, Elijah Vera Tucker last year out of USC was top interior offensive lineman. And then Tyler Lindebaum, our top guy this year. So who were the, before you get into this, who were the two interior offensive linemen that the, the Los Angeles, I think at the time was the San Diego Chargers maybe, who did they draft that Dan everyone was like, Feeney Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp. Like, this is the interior they offensive line it. for the next 10 years. Little did they know. Both would be shit. San Diego breeds bad offensive linemen. They just, they're born there. So, all right. So, the way we do this, 2015 goes up against 2022. And then each incremental inside of that. Mm. So, first up is Brandon Scherf against Tyler Linderbaum. A little Hawkeye matchup here. And I know which way I'm going. What say you, though? I'm leaning Tyler Linderbaum. I think Tyler Linderbaum would be the bigger generational prospect. I think there's part of me that wants to lean Scherf just because you know, they, they, there's like that. Because you know he's good now? Well, no. Also, or, like there, I, there is more guard tackle versatility with Scherf yeah. than there is with Linderbaum, right? Like there's some guard center, center versatility, but like he's like 99% sure going to play center almost yeah, exclusively, close. right? So part of me feels that you could lean Scherf from a versatility perspective, but the way that we have been talking about Linderbaum, I think exceeds and how everyone has been talking about Linderbaum, yeah. I think exceeds what Scherf was. Yeah, Tyler Linderbaum takes that for your boy. So Tyler Linderbaum moves on in the 1-8 matchup. 2-7 matchup here. 2016 against 2021. Cody Whitehair, who was 17th on the PFF draft board back then, going up against Elijah Vera Tucker, who came in 21st last season on the PFF draft board. Obviously went higher than that. Whitehair lower than that. Whitehair was actually better as a rookie, graded out better as a rookie than Elijah Vera Tucker did, though. So what say you on this matchup? I'm leaning Elijah Vera Tucker, actually. I think Elijah mm -hmm. Vera Tucker, in addition to like a lot of people feeling that he has this like ceiling potential to be a road grader in the run game, like everyone is so comfortable with his floor as a pass protector coming yeah. out of USC. So I think a lot of people like like overlooked Elijah Vera Tucker in the scouting process in 2021 because everyone felt so confident that he'd hit these marks, right? Like no one was calling him Quentin Nelson, which probably teases who ultimately wins this interior yeah. offensive line generational bracket, but everyone was high on him, right? Like I think his consensus ranking among media analysts was one of the highest and one of the lowest standard deviations of anyone in the previous class. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Back when Whitehair was ranked 17th, we were very grade focused. That was a big reason why we were high on him. And don't get me wrong, I, like, I still liked his tape, but in terms of projectable traits, it was pretty clearly like Elijah Vera Tucker, more powerful dude. I, I, Cody Whitehair famously did only uh, 16 bench reps at the combine. It was only 301 pounds, and it was damn near 24 years old when he was drafted. So there were some like, if you're talking about the you know physical red flags, he had those far more than an Elijah Vera Tucker did. So yeah, I will give the nod. And and last year's class, 21st in last year's class, we've talked about with how many quarterbacks were ahead of him, with how talented that group was. 21st was still a damn good prospect. So Elijah Vera Tucker, get in the new guy signing in here. All right, 2017 versus 2020, the matchup of two guys who definitely aren't fucking winning this generational infantry <laughs> offline bracket. But Forrest Lamp, 27th on the PFF draft board that year. Natani Muti, 37th on the PFF draft board that year. That actually was the lowest of any of the guys on this list. Bad interior offensive line class 2020. If you go back and look, Michael Onwenu is the only above-average graded starter on the interior offensive line from that class. Dude went in the sixth. So uh, not a ton of talent. We, our board that year went Muti, J. 
Jonah Jackson, Cesar Ruiz. Cesar Ruiz obviously came off the board as IOL one. He's been rough for the New Orleans Saints. Jonah Jackson, probably the second best interior offensive lineman from that draft so far, but Tiny Muti. Some spot starts on the stretch for the Broncos, maybe in line for a starting job next year, TBD on that. But who are you going with here? I think I think Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp coming out, man. Do you remember the shirtless photo of Forrest Lamp when he was getting drafted? Maybe it just was on my phone uh, or photoshopped that by you? me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Forrest, that was like a, maybe it was just a viral photo among my friends. I don't know. Now I feel we're talking about it. But he's, this guy's like shredded. And I think I remember everyone like talking about Forrest Lamp as like this like next generation interior offensive lineman. Um, in 2017 i think we there was more of a consensus on him being like a first round type of player than there was with muti i think we were like one of the only outlets even high on muti like muti i don't even think would be generational among media outlets yeah. at all again that was a tough interior offense flying class and yeah forest lamp was pretty clearly the top prospect i twitter searched forest lamp shirtless and found nothing I, this could be a dream i, uh, I hope not i think you have a text thread with him let's um, see but <laughs> yeah, keep looking. it's definitely forest lamp for me i, I love his tape he's one of the most head scratching misses of now again he came in and tore his acl i want to say it immediately got hurt never came back from that some guys that it's not, you know, as much as, you know, everyone glorifies Adrian Peterson, modern medicine, wow, ACLs, it's nothing. Some guys don't. Some guys, it is enough to really affect them in their career. So TBD on if that was the case, I'm not so sure. But Forrest Lamp was not good, as we said he would be. It's 27th overall prospect. Now, on to the heavyweight bout here. Quentin Nelson from 2018 against 2019 Elkton Jenkins, who came in 26th on the PFF draft board that year. Quinn Nelson was fourth overall. That dude was the best. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it away here. That was the best college tape I've seen from an offensive lineman. Like, positional doesn't matter. He, he was insane his last year at Notre Dame. Obviously, carried over to the NFL. Sad that Qu that Elkton Jenkins, who I love coming out of Mississippi State, had to go against him in the first round. But I'm not even going to ask your opinion here. It's Quentin Nelson. Duh. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. All right. Next matchup, we got the one versus the four. And the one purely being, or it's, I guess the eight versus the four. I don't know. We put ranks on these because to go along with the year that we did them at PFF, just for ease of use. But we got Tyler Lindebaum going up against Quentin Nelson. So Iowa center against Notre Dame guard. And I'll just say these are the two best guys we've seen in the PFF era in terms of interior offensive linemen. Those are my two favorite. What I know we were really high on Frank Rag now. What was yes. that the same? Right now was Quentin Nelson's year. Oh, okay. That was what I said. That right now was Quentin Nelson's year. year. Isaiah Wynn was Quentin Nelson's year, who we saw as possibly a guard as well. Like, that was good into your office line class. If you need a guard slash center in I think right now would be good. better than a lot of these guys on this list. Like, if you're able yes. to get two oh, yes, from yes, yes, a yes. from an era. Yes, or not era, for sure. two from a year. That was a good class. Um, but we're doing one a year because if you weren't the number one prospect that you year. You weren't generation. How the fuck could you be the generational prospect? So, there were actually six generational prospects in 2015. <laughs> All right. Uh, obviously leaning slow Nelson. down. Leaning what? Nelson. Yeah. Linderbaum's great. I get it. And it sucks to be out in the round of, you know, what is this? The second round of this generational prospect bracket. But you run into a buzzsaw here. Nelson's on a warpath. Yeah. I mean, he's probably favored by 10 in that matchup if we're looking at March Madness here. Quentin Have we told the people about our 4TV setup? Oh, we we have not. Because it's not technically set up yet. But you 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 tried to throw a wrench in that we immediately... The wrench is fixed. Yeah, fixed. We've so, ordered four 58-inch TVs for the house that we're living in now. And it's going to be on a shared wall in the living room. And we are planning, planning 
to have it ready for March Madness, the first round. Yeah. That is going to be fucking sick. It's going to be sick. So that's the, the generational the dream. It's like the dream line of bracket. every, every like 18 year old me. And when I was 18 was to have that. Me now. Did not have the, did not have the funds then. Now it's still my dream. And we're going to, we're, we're going to, we could it. watch tailgate on a, on a loop, right? Like start one and then start one, yeah. like 20 minutes, well, like 10 seconds after. We can watch all every episode in a week. I like all that. All at once. Um, all right. Elijah Vera Tucker against Forrest Lamp. This one's tight -er mm -hmm. than the last matchup even. Elijah Vera Tucker, like I said, very good. 21st overall prospect. Forrest Lamp, I love, though. The game against Alabama his senior year. Shut down Tim Williams, who he himself snuck in the NFL. So maybe that wasn't the takeaway I thought it should have been at the time. But I am leaning Elijah Vera Tucker here. I think he was just a... You did it against better competition. Forrest Lamp at Western Kentucky was great. Yeah, I think Again, it's still good and only 27th overall prospect that year, ABT, 21st. And now we got Quentin Nelson against Elijah Vera Tucker. And Quentin Nelson, to go back to just how dominant he was, uh, pull up some stats here for you fellows. But I believe he had the highest graded guard season we've ever had still to this day. I think he might senior. be up there too in the NFL. Like his grades in the NFL have been like among the best that we've ever 92. seen. 92.0 run blocking grade, 90.9 pass blocking grade, five pressures allowed all season long. And that was back when they used to just 2017 was, gosh, who was that in the quarterback Genesis? I think that was early Ian Book. Was that? It was early Ian Book. And they would just take forever in the pocket and it was brutal to watch. But that that uh that Notre Dame offensive line was insanity back what's 2016 was the year where they had McGlinchey or maybe 2015 they had didn't they win a national title that year yeah they did they had McGlinchey <laughs> that was the year actually that it was 2015 and it was the year they lost Stanford in my uh story that I told about the girl leaving me at the bar um but they had McGlinchey they had Ronnie Stanley they had Nick Martin and they had Quentin Nelson. Jeez. Still the best college office line. Who was the fifth guy, the loser? The fifth guy was their right guard. His name is escaping me right now. He ended up quitting football to go into Congress, and he's like congressional aide or something. What? What's his name? And he was a highly recruited dude, too. He was like a four or uh, he's like a high four star. He was like a top 100 player, and he ended up um, ended up leaving. He ended up retiring from football. He would have been like a late drafted dude. He was fine. But definitely not on the caliber those guys were. How's he doing in Congress? Couldn't tell you. Fellow Golden Domers stick I together. Mean, Steve Elmer was his name. Had a 71.3 overall grade that year. So he was Screw fine. Steve Elmer. If you're not as good as Ronnie Stanley and the other guys, who, who cares? You know what I mean? Let me see. Let me see his rivals profile. Steve Elmer. 2013 <laughs> offensive tackle. Four star. Oh, yeah. 60th overall player nationally. Was the wow. worst player on that line. Wow. That's how it goes. That's how it goes for the Irish. That's, I mean, I'm a fellow Golden Domer taking classes. All right, that's going to do it for the generational interior offensive line bracket. Until next time, guys, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Review it on Spotify. Review it and you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you're supporting Tailgate. Then go to pff.com and use promo code Tailgate for 25% off. That's called support. And wait till you see this merch come out. The Gator merch is going to be sick. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate. Yeah.